Well, amen. Y'all let these know how much you appreciate them this morning, leading us in worship. God bless y'all. God bless you. And uh, you brought a Bible with you. Say amen. And uh, let me invite you to open it with me to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Looks like we will finish 1 John this summer and then dive into a new series, which I'm really excited about and looking forward to. But 1 John chapter 4 this morning, I want us to read verses 15 all the way through 21. So if you'll stand with me in honor of God's word and we'll read that together. The Bible says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we've come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And by this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. But we love because he first loved us. And if someone says, I love God, and yet he hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Let's bow together. Father, we thank you for your divine word this morning and the opportunity for you to speak afresh to our hearts, to realign our lives to your divine purpose pleasure, and will. And God, I thank you for this text of Scripture, which elevates your overwhelming love toward us. And God, how we know that in experiencing your love, we also have the great privilege to express your love to one another in the fellowship. And God, we pray that that is what occurs in the life of Concord. And Father, we know if our mission is to make disciples everywhere that Individuals will only know that we are your disciples by the love that we have for one another. So we pray, Lord, that our fellowship would excel still more in love. That we would bend over backwards to express unconditional love towards one another. Father, that you would continue to place your hand upon our fellowship, that we might make the greatest impact for your name's sake and for your kingdom's sake while we have time here upon this earth. God, we thank you for those who are present today and pray that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see the glorious truths that are found in this great text. And we'll give you glory for it. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. So you go ahead and be seated. So real quick show of hands, how many of you guys have ever been to Whitewater before? You just slip your hand up real fast. Very good, all right, slip them down. Now the reason I ask you that question uh, when I was in middle school, that was one of the places I used to love to go and hang out. Now that I've read some news articles about what actually happens in the water at Whitewater, yeah, I'm not going back, all right? Not enough chlorine under the sun to cleanse you of that mess. But anyway, so when I used to go, though, I used to enjoy hanging out on the Lazy River. And uh, the Lazy River just went around the big wave pool. And the reason I like this it, is just a hangout spot. You grab your tube, you jump in, and the current will just take you all the way around. Now, if you've not experienced that before, maybe you've experienced uh, tubing in Helen. Anybody ever done this before? That is a legit place, is it not? Can I get a witness? Just a witness, not a hand clap, all right? But anyway, so 
But yeah, that, that's always a trip too because you stand in line with a bunch of strangers to get a tube to get on a river to go downstream and they give you a stick to keep you off the edges to get all the snakes. I didn't see any snakes. What kind of church is this? But also, it's not, not always deep enough. Have you experienced this before? And so you're dragging bottom on the rocks. But the goal is just to go down with the current. Now, the reason that I bring up these two places, one in Helen, one Whitewater, is because in the country called life, I want you to consider that there is a river that is flowing with the love of God. There is this current that you and I are called to get into, and when we get into it, it makes a massive difference. And in 1 John chapter 4, the text that I just read to you, we're going to talk about three major things that occur when we look at the current of God's love. So let's talk about what we need to know concerning this. The first thing, and you want to write this down in your listening guide, is you can cause the flow of God's love to rise. You have the ability to cause the flow of God's love to actually rise. Now, look again in verse 15. The scripture says, whoever confesses Jesus is the Son of God. God abides in him and he in God. Now, key word in that verse is the word confess. And this word confess means to make a public declaration. And let me just kind of throw this out for us today. This word confess is not some half-hearted concept which a lot of those who live in our community have. They begin to hear about Jesus, and as soon as you begin to mention Jesus, say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know him, I believe in him. So there's this half-hearted confession. Individuals who know about Jesus but don't actually know Jesus. And there's a massive difference between those two. But this word here, confess, that John is talking about, he's not elevating some half-hearted belief or confession in the Lord Jesus Christ. This describes a sustained attitude of the heart. This is an individual who has raised the white flag of surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are living it out. Their surrender to Christ is making a massive change on the inside of their life, which ultimately shows up in how they conduct themselves with other individuals. To make this confession is to agree with the teaching of the apostles, doctrine, that Jesus is indeed God in the flesh. Jesus was not just some good moral teacher. He was God of very God. And the reason that John is elevating this confession of Jesus being the Son of God is because he is saying that those who are confessing Jesus to be divine are truly followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, contextually, you and I have to remember that John is writing to a group of individuals who are hearing false teaching about Jesus. There are some who are declaring that Jesus did not actually have a real body. And so that's why John elevates this confession. So if you confess Jesus is the Son of God, you agree that he is divine in nature, that he is God incarnate. In fact, one commentator noted that this acknowledgement reveals an inward commitment saying this, quote, Jesus is the Son of God. I believe in him. I trust him not just as the Savior of the world, but as my personal Savior. I am personally trusting in him as the Savior who was sent from God the Father. 
Now, this confession marks a person who has a genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love what verse 15 says, because look at it again. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, notice the next phrase, God abides in him. Now, eyeball to eyeball for a moment, because this particular word abides is a uh, very large term, all right? This word, it means to remain in. It's also used to describe uh, finding your home in. But then it also is a word that describes the active engagement and participation of someone or something. So think about this. A person who confesses Jesus is the Son of God. John is saying now that God is actively engaged in the life of that individual. What a beautiful picture. God finds his home in your heart. God finds his place in your life. He is now participating one-on-one -on -one with your life. That's what he's saying when he says God abides in you. Now, the theme of this scripture, as we have already kind of noted, is the love of God. Therefore, we can conclude that if you have confessed Jesus, you are experiencing God's relentless love towards you. See, God's love towards you is overwhelmingly unconditional. Now, I, I enjoy saying this, so I trust you'll pay close attention. Uh, there is nothing that you can do to get God to love you more. And there is nothing you can do to get God to love you less. But, but isn't it true that's often how we feel when we come in to worship? Maybe we show up on a Sunday morning and we feel like we've had a good week. You know, maybe we didn't cuss anybody out. Was that a good week, amen? And we come in, we feel like we've done something for the Lord, like we deserve to be in his presence. And then we worship the Lord. But then there are some weeks, isn't it true, we come in and we feel like there's, I shouldn't even be here, man, my week has been horrible. I've not treated my wife well. I've not treated my boss well. I have cussed people out. And then we feel like we just don't deserve to be in this. It's like the Lord doesn't love us anymore. But the reality is none of us are accepted by God based upon what we do. We're accepted by God based upon his son, Jesus Christ. And so as a result, we are always accepted by the Lord. God is abiding in us. He is participating in us. Of course, he wants us to live in such a way that he is approved. But we don't gain some sort of extra love when we've got it going on. And we don't lose some love when we don't have it going on. His love is unconditional. And everybody said on that one, amen. Jesus shared with his disciples that whenever God's love is abiding in you, that means you are also abiding in the Lord. So you've got to have this picture in your mind. God is actively engaged in your life and now you are abiding in God, which means you are actively engaged with Him. And whenever you are living in this frame or in this status, 
This literally means that it is going to show up through your life and the love of God that is poured out into your heart will overflow and affect the lives of those who are around you. That includes those you live with, those you work with, and those you play with. God's love is always flowing through your life. He's participating with you. You are participating with him, and it continues on and on. That's the change that the Lord begins to make in our lives. And Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Galatians 5.22 gives us an indication of what kind of fruit we actually bear. And Paul the Apostle says the fruit of the Spirit is love. So think about that. The love we bear as followers of Jesus is not some sappy love. It's not some puppy love. The love that is being described here is this love that shows up in the life of a person who is fully surrendered to God's work in him and through him. A heart that says to others, I want the very best for you. You know, it's emphatically taught in Scripture that those who have genuinely experienced the love of God in Christ express the love of God through their lives by the divine enablement of the Holy Spirit. So you and I, eyeball to eyeball, do not even have the capacity to love one another properly. That's why God gave us His Spirit to take control of our lives and actually empower us to do what we could not do on our own. And that is unconditionally love each other. <laughs> now I want you to think about this for a moment. Every single person who gets in the current of the love of God actually increases the flow of that love. When I was a little kid, I used to take baths. Anybody ever do that when you were a kid? Any grown people still take baths? You, don't raise your hand. But I remember one time, because I had figured out how to work the water, then my parents, you know, I'm growing up at this point, right? They're like, you go in, you can do it yourself. So I go in, I shut the door, and I turn the water on, hot as it will go, and then I want to get it as high as it will go. I kind of want to swim in the bathtub is what I want to do. And so I do, I fill it up all the way to the top, right? As soon as it gets there, I cut it off. I'm so excited. I get right in. As soon as I get in, guess what happens? All the water went everywhere. I cannot tell you what occurred after this. <laughs> I began to take showers. Let's put it that way. But anyway, so, but that, that's what happened. You get in and all of a sudden the water, now think about it. Every single person that we invite to come into a personal relationship with Jesus gets into the current of the love of God. And what does his love do? It increases in our fellowship and it overflows into the community. And so it makes sense. We want to invite as many people into a relationship with the Lord Jesus so that they would confess him as the Son of God. And God would abide in them. And they would abide in the Lord. And isn't that what brings light to a dark place? You, you've maybe used this phrase before or maybe you've heard it before. I remember being on a mission trip on one occasion and they were describing to me the area that we were about to go to was a dark area. What were they saying? They're saying basically there are individuals there, but they don't have a personal relationship with the Lord. They are caught up in idolatry. They're worshiping false gods, and it's dark there. There is no gospel witness there. 
There is no love being shared among the people in that dark area. And so what are they wanting? They're wanting someone to go in with the gospel so that people come to faith in Jesus. And then whenever they come to faith in Jesus and they begin to serve one another, what does this do? This expresses the love of God, and it also turns on the lights in that community. Everybody still following? So the more individuals we encourage to come to faith in Jesus Christ, the more we have the opportunity to increase the flow of God's love among one another, and the more we have an opportunity then to affect the community so that the lights come on and people come to know Christ. As we study historically how the Lord has worked in America, it is overwhelming to see individuals like John Wesley and Jonathan Edwards who preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in the U.S., during these particular time frames, a great awakening would occur. And as they encouraged people to confess Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, there was a radical change that happened among them. But today, we don't talk about stuff like that anymore, do we? Sure would be awesome if we had a revival. Sure would be awesome, man. Remember them great awakenings? Listen, the same exact God that Jonathan Edwards and John Wesley preached is the same one we're preaching this morning. So why are we so filled with unbelief as to think that God could supernaturally do a work in our midst that would affect the whole state? <laughs> Fox News is not going to save America. Y'all better watch out now. He's done. Went meddling. Y'all out there and say, yeah? Y'all ready for number two? I had about 15 other things I wanted to say, but let me move on, all right? This is, this is an amazing truth that the Lord's taught me. I don't know why it took me until I was 28 years old to learn this, but I'm I'm, I'm older than 28. That was a joke, all right? You become more familiar with God's love when you put yourself in the current with God's people. You become more familiar with God's love when you put yourself in the current with God's people. Look at verse 16. The scripture says, We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. This word, come to know, it literally uh, means we have become familiar with something. Uh, this is how uh, it happens. Maybe you uh, learned how to type on a keyboard in one time in your life. I remember when I first tried to learn how to type, man, I didn't know where the letters were. took me forever just to peck through a sentence. But the more I used a keyboard, the more familiar I became with it to the point now where I'm not even looking at it and I can type things, become familiar. And John here is saying that individuals have become familiar with the love of God. We have come to know His love. But then he also says, and we have believed the love which God has for us. Uh, that is, we have full trust in God's love toward us through the Lord Jesus Christ. This happens when we grow in the knowledge of His love. We understand His nature toward us is actually good. 
God's goodness works with every circumstance in our life to bring about our ultimate benefit and His ultimate glory. Those who become familiar with the love of God begin to trust Him. Their faith deepens, and they see God at work in their life, and they know God has something in store that is good because He is a good God. They believe in the love of God, and they are familiar with it even during the difficulties, not just the great days. John says, we've, become, we've come to know. We have believed the love of the Lord. Now, keeping this verse in context, I begin to ask the question, how, and I think this is a good question, how, how have they grown in the knowledge of God's love? How have they become more familiar with the love of God? Remember, verse 12 of 1 John says, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his perfect love is, or I'm sorry, his love is perfected in us. So, eyeball to eyeball, because this is pretty phenomenal here. How do I, Levi, grow in familiarity with the love of God? How do I, Levi, uh, deepen my trust in the love of God? Well, I have to experience his love one-on-one. -on -one. He's abiding in me, participating in me. But also, I have God's love expressed to me, listen, through the body of believers. His love is perfected in us, is completed in us as we serve one another. That means whenever I come to church and I'm hanging out in the hallways and somebody comes up to me and they give me an encouraging word, you know what this is? This is God's love being expressed towards me through them. When somebody says, Levi, man, I'm praying for you concerning this particular situation, that is God's love being expressed to me through them. When somebody challenges me in my faith, that's God's love being expressed to me through them. And so whenever I get around the people of God and God's love is expressed through the people towards me, what happens? It makes me become more familiar with God's love. It makes me grow in a deeper faith and trust in his love towards me. In fact, one commentator said it like this, living in the atmosphere of mutual Christian love produces a personal knowledge of God's love and a fresh experience of faith in that love. So think about that for just a moment. It's pretty remarkable. When you invite someone to church with you, you know what you're doing? You're actually inviting them. You're saying, hey, come out here and experience the current of God's love. Come check this out. And what do people say when they visit a fellowship that is a loving fellowship? Maybe it's their first time. I've heard people say this uh, about Concord, and I thought I'd encourage it. But they show up, they say, I, I'm telling you, that's friendly people who genuinely seem to love one another. So what they say. They, they are experiencing the love of God just by showing up and watching you at work with one another, encouraging one another, challenging one another, praying for one another, loving one another, serving one another in times of need. That's the love of God, and people see that. And it was the kindness of God that led us to repentance. And if people see the kindness of God expressed in our midst, would that not lead more to repentance? 
Here I come. Please listen. Isn't it true? Let me, let me, let me put it on my personal perspective. I, when I was doing evangelism, I preached in a lot of churches. And there were some churches that were dead churches. Are y'all listening to me? I know, I know that's probably not nice to say, but it was true. They should have changed the name of their church. It shouldn't be Hope Baptist. It should have been No Hope Baptist. Do you understand? But you go in and it's cold and the people don't fellowship with one another. The people don't love each other. And you sit down and nobody says a word to you. And you're thinking, what in the world is going on here? These are individuals, listen, who are missing out on experiencing the love of God in their lives because they're not loving one another. That's why people should not skip church. Let me come on back to that one. That's why people shouldn't skip church. Now, I know it's Memorial Day weekend. We'll give you a pass. Not you. You're here. I'm not even preaching to you because you're faithful. Amen? <laughs> but, they, but listen, they, they don't skip church because they know if they miss out on church, they're going to miss out on something great in their life. Yeah. Amen. Isn't that true? If you miss Sunday morning, what do you say? Man, good night. i got to get back to church. What, why? Because you missed getting into the current of God's love with other believers. <laughs> what an awesome concept. In John 13, 35, I think I've already said this, but I'm going to tell you again. Jesus said by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Listen, they'll know that you're my disciples, not if you shout the loudest. Not if you run around and you condemn everybody who doesn't believe like you. If you love each other. We come with a gospel of peace. <laughs> and we love one another because it's an overflow of our lives. And here, here's what we know. Here's what we know. I bought an eyeball for a second. When we spend time with the Lord as individuals and we experience his love one-on-one -on -one as he's abiding in us and we're abiding in him as he's participating with us and we're participating with him. When we do that individually and then we show up among a group of people who really love God, it is amazing what God does. That's just amazing to me. It's a beautiful picture, man. That's why I'm so fired up about what's happening here at Concord. Because whenever someone has an issue in their life, maybe someone passes away, maybe there's an issue in their family, listen, I am overwhelmed by the fact that as staff, we are not always the first people on the scene. That's how it should be. Because the body is reaching out to love and to care. It's amazing when we show up to the hospital and they're, Preacher, well, we, I've already had five people from my community group. Praise the Lord. What are, they're, they're reaching out. They're showing love. Y'all ready for number three? Here it comes. As you, and this is pretty unique now, so I want you to pay attention. As you increase the flow of God's love through your life, you will anticipate seeing Jesus more. As you increase the flow of God's love in your life, you will anticipate seeing Jesus more. Verse 17, the Bible says, by this, love is perfected with us 
so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Now, listen closely because uh, this idea of judgment here for believers is speaking about the Bema seat of Jesus Christ. It's the reward seat. It's not the great white throne judgment. Great white throne judgment is the judgment of unbelievers. And those who stand at the great white throne judgment will be judged based upon their sin. Then they'll be cast into hell. There will be no option for them to be born again in that day. It is over for them. Game over. But the judgment seat is the judgment of believers. And John is saying here that we can have confidence in this day. That means we can have boldness, excitement, anticipation in this day. How can we experience that right now? Are you, are you anticipating seeing Jesus? Are you like, I can't wait to see him? I'll tell you who is anticipating. The people who are loving each other. Isn't this true? Because the people who are not serving and loving, what are they doing? They're being self-centered and they are possibly hating other people. And if they're genuine followers of Christ, they're not anticipating seeing the Lord because, man, look at my life. What have I been doing? There is no confidence there. But John says you can have confidence. And we want that for you. As a staff, we want you to be looking forward to seeing Jesus to be fired up to go to the reward seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is at the reward seat of the Lord Jesus Christ that you will receive awards based on your faithfulness to love and to serve one another. Now there's also a verse here, verse 17, that, that last little section of verse 17. Because as he is, he is Jesus so also are we in this world. As he is, so also are we in this world. Now this is massive, all right? As Jesus is, so we also are in this world. How is Jesus right now? Well, Jesus is seated in the heavenlies, the right hand of God the Father, and he is perfectly loved by the Father. Ephesians chapter one says, when you come to faith in Jesus, you are seated in the heavenly places. And just as Jesus is perfectly loved by the Father, so you are perfectly loved by the Father. This enables a confidence to walk before the Lord at the judgment seat. In fact, look at verse 18. The Bible says, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. Now remember visiting some uh, friends of mine um, in middle Georgia. And um, first time I'd ever gone to their house, they opened the door and all of a sudden, they have these two massive dogs at their house. They're called Great Danes. I don't know if you've ever seen one. I think we got a picture of a Great Dane. Uh, you can see, all right, that's not even a dog. That's like a horse dog, you understand? We walked through the front door and I didn't know if these things lived in there. But as soon as we walked in, this thing ran up, galloped, all right, to my friend and on his hind legs stood up and hugged him. That's no joke. It was gross is what it was, but that's what occurred, right? So I see this thing and it looks me eyeball to eyeball and I'm, it's, I'm scared, like a little girl scared, you know what I'm saying? Like to the point I pushed my friend and walked outside and closed the door. 
It's like, bro, I'm not, I am not coming in there. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't. I put a stake in the ground, man, all right? You either kill the dog or I'm going home, all right? Those are your two options here. But they chained the thing up in the back <laughs> so I could come in. The reason I share that with you is I thought to myself, why was my friend's response different than my response? Because he was familiar with the dog. The dog was familiar with him. So whenever he walked in, he anticipated seeing that thing. I wasn't familiar. Wasn't trying to get familiar. Was trying to leave. Perfect love cast out all fear. When I grow familiar with God's love, and how does that occur? It occurs one-on-one, but it also occurs as I experience the love of God among you. And as I grow in familiarity with his love, and as I express his love, it grows this deep desire and anticipation to see him, so that when he comes for me, I cannot wait to get inside the door. So if you're fearful of the judgment seat of Christ, could it be because you're not loving others? <laughs> 19 through 21, the Bible says we love because he first loved us. Somebody says, I love God, and he hates his brother. By the way, this is a continual hatred towards another person. Then the scripture says he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should love his brother also. See, our love for God is, and you you gotta listen to this, our love for God is directly seen in our love for one another. So if we're hateful to one another, if we're sharp with one another, if we're holding grudges against one another, if we're turning people off because of something they've done in the past, if we're doing this, that is not the love of God. Um, I promise I'm trying to finish this. I'm getting confused, right? Usually I go till about 12, and it's only 11, 19. You know, so I'm getting thrown off here. I keep thinking, have I only been preaching for two minutes? What, what is, and you're like, no, man, it's been two hours. Feels that way. God bless you for your love. <laughs> so this is one thing. Um, now, please, y'all just got to pay attention, all right? I'm trying to talk to you. Y'all with me say yes? That's one thing I, I, I deeply appreciate about Concord. And uh, this isn't something that uh, just randomly started happening. This has been happening for years and years and years and years. There is a uh, true love towards one another. And every single person that gets in this current causes that love to rise. And in the community, here, here are what pe- here's what people are saying about you. Oh, Concord, man. Yeah, those people, they're getting outside the walls of the church. Why are they saying this about you? Because you so love one another that you now are driven to express that love to all people. That's why going to this Memorial Day picnic this afternoon, 
is a delight for a pastor and a staff because we're not going thinking, oh my word, who's going to be hollering at each other and acting crazy out there? Don't act like you don't know churches like that. Y'all going to love each other. <laughs> let, let me try that again. Y'all going to love each other. <laughs> we're going to get out there, there'll be like five people. I'll be like, group hug, come here, all right? Group hug. That's what we'll do. <laughs> but the unique thing here is that as we love one another and as we invite other people to get in on this thing, man, it is amazing how it will fill us with anticipation to actually see the Lord. And those who anticipate seeing the Lord find themselves talking about the Lord. <laughs> Up in uh, Helen, the tubes, you know. Y'all remember them, don't you? You start at the top, you got a final destination. When you get into the current of God's love, that's the beginning point. And now you with other people are going downstream, but there is a destination. And it's to stand face to face with Jesus. And when we stand there, man, don't, don't you want to be like that? Don't you want to just be, oh, come here. I've been anticipating this day. What kind of church would we be if everybody, me included, were like that? Let's bow together. Father, we thank you for your word, and I thank you for the love that's expressed in this body of believers. God, my faith has grown as a result of being in this fellowship, my faith in you. And Father, I pray that it would excel only still more as people get into this current in a kingdom called life. And your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, nobody's looking around this morning. But if you're here today and you say, Levi, man, I need to get into that current. I, I don't have a personal relationship with the Lord. Uh, God is not engaged in my life. I'm not engaged with him. I don't have this participation thing happening as you described. And listen, great news, man. You know, we, we're all doomed sinners, but God is gracious. And God is so gracious that he sent Jesus to die upon the cross for you. He paid the penalty of your sin, which was death and hell. He was buried and resurrected. And now the scripture says, if you'll admit that you're a sinner, believe Jesus died for you and was raised again. And confess him, confess him as Lord. Man, you can be born again, given a new life. Jump in the stream, the current. Make it even rise. And some of you need that this morning. So I'm going to encourage you right where you are. If that's the prayer of your heart and you need to give your life to Jesus, just say something like this. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. This morning I'm turning from my sin and placing my trust in you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. And thank you also for the resurrection. Give me a new life as I jump into the current of this love and help me to express it to others. Your head's bowed, your eyes closed. If you gave your heart to Jesus just now or this past week, even this past month, listen, the, the first step of obedience is to be baptized. You saw that already this morning. 
So if you just prayed and gave your life to Jesus, in a moment we're going to stand to our feet. I'll be here in the front, others as well. I'm going to invite you to leave the place where you've been seated. You might have to ask some folks to get out of your way, and that'll be fine. They will uh, enjoy doing that, seeing you be obedient to the Lord. You just walk forward. Man, we'll know why you're coming. We want to pray for you, help you along in your walk with Christ. Or maybe you've been uh, visiting Concord for quite some time, but you sense this really is home. This is where you need to plug in. It's like you want to get among these people and just experience the love of God and express the love of God. You want to get in on that action. Then I'm going to encourage you this morning to join this fellowship. We do this encouraging people to become members because it helps us know who we are pastoring, who we are shepherding, who we are seeking to join arms with in making disciples. So if that's you, I'm going to invite you to come. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for how you're moving, looking forward to what you're going to do in the remainder of our afternoon together as we love one another. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet while we sing. You come this morning if God's called.